You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. It's amazing that in the 21st century, we are still debating the use of technology in the classroom. Screens and all their forms are ubiquitous part of life and education. It's safe to say, or so we should hope, that we've moved beyond the chalkboard and the eraser, key elements that entered the classroom in 1890. And yet there are still debates going on about tablets and computers and their right place in the kindergarten and pre-K classroom. I'm joined here in the studio by Daryl Whitaker. He's the director of the Child Development Center here at Napa Valley College. And Peg Maddox, the executive director of Napa Learns, who's been with us before. It's my pleasure to welcome them both here to the program today. Thanks so much for coming in, Peg. Daryl, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you. First of all, Daryl, I want to start with you and talk a little bit about the Child Development Center here at NBC and what it does. I know that I've been asked several times over the years. I always you know, I drive in there as the Child Development Center. Is it a daycare center? Is it part of classroom? What's it all about? Well, the uh, Child Development Center here on the Napa campus is um, we have five classrooms, and we uh, have children um, that range from the ages of two, uh, two months through five years, seven months. And in those five classes, we take care of the children for our students that are here on campus, as well as uh, faculty and staff. And we have a few community members as well that bring their children. Are, are there standard programs? Or is it taking advantage of the students and the, the various programs here to sort of do cutting edge kind of things as far as child development is concerned? Well, we're also used as a lab. So right. students come to the lab to observe children in, in play. And um, some students do some interaction and activities with the children. We also have, uh, so that's mostly the, the child uh, development or uh, child family studies uh, students. And then we also have nursing students who come down and observe the children. Mm-hmm. And they spend a, a, a pretty good amount of time at the lab. And Peg, I want to talk a little bit about these young kids vis-a-vis Napa Learns. You and I have talked a lot about the high schools and the middle schools and what's going on in so many of the programs. We've never really had an opportunity to talk about the degree to which Napa Learns is really looking at what's going on with preschool and kindergarten and really the the earliest stages of, of dealing with these kids. Right. Actually, Napa Learns' first big project was in 2011 when we brought iPads into the Summer Bridges program in Calistoga, and it was a four-week program for about 17 kids, and they had never had any preschool or anything. And um, Chuck McMahon, our board chair, convinced the um, director of the program to go ahead and let the iPads come in, and it was, I can tell the story because everyone's heard it, the teachers at um, Calistoga Elementary were so against technology that they went to the program just to prove that it wouldn't work, and by the second day... Uh, They were just amazed at what these little four-year-olds were doing, five-year-olds, with technology. They were all English language learners, and they were using a program called Footsteps to Brilliance and learning to to hear stories for the first time and and to actually be read to and then do all kinds of activities. So since then, we've actually grown that program. Um, Our mission is to seed fund innovation and then let the districts take it over if it works, and so we evaluate. And we've grown from that little program to over – about 4,000 children in K through 2, pre-K really, um, using iPads and technology in the classroom in all the schools in Napa County. 
talk a little bit about how that works in terms of the interface between the programs and the technology and the kids, what they do with it, and how it really has been so incredibly successful in helping them learn. Yeah, and the most important thing is that pedagogy or teaching comes first, and the learning goals come first. And so we don't actually encourage people to start using technology in the classroom unless they um, understand how it will enhance what they're doing and literally change the way they're doing their teaching um, because the technology is really can be a multiplier of the teacher but it's not a babysitter and so um, most of our teachers get a lot of uh, workshops and coaching done and then uh, they build it into their curriculum um, the reason we love footsteps to brilliance for example is it has the 1000 dolch words that are needed for be successful in kindergarten so it's a very structured program and the really good teachers that have are real comfortable with technology and have been doing this for a while um, they actually build a whole curriculum around that which includes playing in the sandbox and mm-hmm. you know in preschools and, and making d- lunches and all the other things we do in preschool and kindergarten that aren't with the technology but the but the words they're learning in that book uh, online book are really helping them with everything they do And Daryl, talk a little bit about the Child Development Center and the degree to which technology is incorporated there in some of these programs that that Peg is talking about. Well, my experience, I've only been here on campus for six weeks, but my experience has been that that, um, early educators can can begin using the technology for um, professional growth, um, looking at things to expand their teaching and their skills. Um, They can go online and do that on a computer, but they can also do that on um, the iPads and, and tablets as well. And the, the teachers that I've worked with in the past have used that. Um, it's convenience for, the, for, to, for them to sit down at a time when they might not be active with the child at, at the moment. They have a break or something, and they can go and do their, their, uh, their professional growth that way. And Coming back, Peg, to the, cal- the initial Calistoga experience and, and what was the opposition to it at the mm-hmm. time, there's still a kind of knee-jerk reaction, I think, in certain quarters, it's fair to say. And I don't know if it's an age thing or a generational thing or, or something that comes out of, you know, schools of education or what it is exactly. But there's still a resistance sometimes to the idea of technology being incorporated into education, especially with respect to the younger kids. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not an age thing because I'm over 60 and I don't have any problem with it. Um, but it is an issue that really relates to television. So there was the studies in the 60s and 70s that kids were being plopped in front of televisions and being you know, used as a babysitter. And that's the FaceTime, the screen time kind of um, concept. Um, and sure, any technology that's abused because people aren't building learning around it um, is it's not going to be good for kids. But we, there are people that I've met that are almost visceral about how much they don't want technology in the early grades. And to us, it's their, it's their world. It's those kids are in that world. And those very same kids are sitting with their mom's cell phone in the doctor's office or supermarket playing with those things. And so we feel it's our role to show the value of technology, how it can be used for learning. And for a lot of our really poor parents and, and English language learners, um, we're teaching the parents how technology can be used in their own lives as well as in their children's lives for learning. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, by the way, it's only about 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon that they're actually using these iPads by themselves. Should they be using it more? Um, it depends I mean, on how if the rest of the if day If they're goes. getting stuff out of it for 20 minutes, you know, is 40 minutes better, I guess, is the question. Yes, if if they, um, if they it fits into the curriculum. So if they're doing 20 minutes for reading and 20 minutes for math, 
Um, some of it I've seen in the preschools, um, they're actually working in two groups of twos or threes, playing together, playing a game together, or writing a story together. Um, and so there's a lot of other things that go on in re- related to the technology. But when I say 20 minutes, it's when they're on there by themselves. So that's the time that they really are concentrating on their own individual learning. But the teachers use technology all the time in the classroom. They use the big screen TVs, flat panel TVs mm-hmm. to display things for the children. And um, there's a, a complete uh, reading program now, K through 3, in um, Napa that they've adopted called iRead that all the kids use. And it's really already closing the achievement gap. It's not technology as it end in itself it's a tool like anything else i mean it's the mo- those screens you're talking about you know the, the whiteboards and those, those flats it's the modern day blackboard we've just progressed a little from chalk exactly exactly and and the other thing that's been very helpful with technology is the assessment part so and you might talk about mm-hmm. this daryl mm-hmm. a little bit um for the first time, really, and I was a kindergarten teacher, so I remember this, teachers can really know where children are all the time because in these math and reading programs, they are tracked. And they, these things like how many times they attempted to um, answer a, a, a multiple-choice question or how many times they missed a word or um, the words they're missing or the math problems they're missing. And the teachers that, that I've seen use technology well – um, actually dynamically group their children for small group work based on the technology. The assessment tells the teacher who's having trouble with the concept. Teacher pulls those kids together the next day, does a little workshop, and everybody gets personalized attention. So the whole assessment part um, using technology is, is really amazing, and it's so much better than it ever was before. Daryl, talk a little bit about what you've been seeing, not just here, because mm-hmm. as you say, mm-hmm. you, you've been here a short time, right. but you, you've been in this world and, and been dealing with these kids in, in other mm-hmm. places. Talk a little bit about what you've seen. Well, what's happened is that the teachers used to have to collect a portfolio for each child, and that meant cutting, cutting samples where the children would cut things out, and they would keep those samples, painting samples, math samples, any of the right. samples, and collect those into a physical portfolio of a, a, a folder or binder. And now we have online or in the cloud uh, portfolios that you can get for free on, on your iPhone or, or your um, your Android phone. And now the teachers can start collecting those things by taking a digital picture, doing audio, um, recording the audio um, conversations wow. that children have, doing a video, or even taking their note on their phone and then and then transposing that. It goes right into the, the cloud and it goes to each child's portfolio in the cloud. And then the director, administrator can also take a look at where the children's progress is as well. And then that can be used later on in conversations with parents on the progress that their children are making. Is this something that becomes part of the permanent record of the kids, something that can travel with them? And and is that a good or a bad thing necessarily, Peg? Well, and that's I'm so glad you're doing that, Daryl, because I'd love you to come to the public schools and teach us how to do that. Um, we actually are starting a portfolio um, program, K through 12, in the public schools here. Oh, so good, good. in the schools that are New Tech Network, PBL, Project-Based Learning Schools, kids in kindergarten, their work is being mm-hmm. collected digitally. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, you know, the kids will dictate a story, tell a story, and then the teacher can assess the complexity of the language they're using. Um, they, they can draw pictures on paper. They can draw pictures on the computer. But, yes, the idea that a, a child has a digital portfolio that travels all the way through them, their school years, no matter what school they go to, what class they're in, we think is just an amazing activity. Plus, what's really 
cute for the kindergartners and first graders, they get to pick their best work. Mm-hmm. So it's not like everything they do goes in there like a mom would collect, but yeah, they get to pick their best, best work. So they're starting to think about what their personal portfolio looks like. And yes, of course, there's privacy concerns, but all school records are now digital. And so mm-hmm. if, if there's privacy issues, it's going to be with everything. Right. What do you hear from parents, Daryl, of, of, of young kids especially about technology and, and the way kids are learning today? Well, it's been my experience that some, some parents uh, are a little bit apprehensive about it. Um, they're afraid of um, the child sitting in front of a screen becoming a zombie. I'm sure that that's, that's um, pretty common. But at the same time, I try to help parents understand the difference between passive and, and interactive or active um, types of, of uh, technologies that we would use. And so then once you help the parent understand that the child's only going to be using a tablet or, or something like that in a classroom for a very short amount of time, um, the, the type of technologies that I, I have the experience with uh, were recommended at 30 minutes a week. And 30 minutes a week is just minimal amount of time compared to the amount of time a child might sit and watch television. Is, does that become a problem, Peg, because the approach to it, if you're talking to parents or even you know, teachers that may not be buying into the program, it becomes defensive. It, it becomes about saying, well, they're only doing it 30 minutes a week or 10 minutes a day or 30, whatever it might be, as opposed to saying, this is all the time we have. We should be doing it more because it would really help the kid and be glad for this opportunity, as opposed to being defensive about it. Yes, and I don't think in the with the younger parents we haven't had um, too much of a problem with um, kids using the technology. It's almost always the grandparents that are concerned about it. Um, and of course, in our preschools, we have twenty three <laughs> preschools, county preschools, and that's about four hundred kids. And like I said earlier, it's very important for the Napa County Office of Education, who runs those preschools, to educate the parents not just about how they can use the technology on their iPhones or whatever to help their kids learn, but also how they can help themselves learn. So these these young parents have the technology already. Um, one of the things I wanted to say earlier was um, we've seen amazing things that happen in kindergarten happen much better and much more frequently. Children are becoming very productive. So, for example, you can dictate a story into create a story or tell a story applications. The story gets typed and written. You can have a child write 30 or 40 stories in a school year, whereas before you had to have the teacher or an aide dict, you know, have the, the, the story dictated. And the teachers actually take the stories the children wrote, and the kids now have to print them on paper with analog approaches. Um, they're much more motivated to write their own story, and it's very hard when you're five, and you can probably remember mm-hmm. five and six to hand Oh, I can't remember it all. <laughs> and then illustrate your own story and then put it in a physical book and laminate it and bring it to your parents. And so that's the most important thing that the kindergarten, first grade teachers have said is the, the amount of writing the kids are doing and the, the verbal um, improvement is just incredible because of the technology. Should the college, Daryl, and, and again, I want to come back to, to reminding people, you've only been here for a very short time, six weeks in this position, but should the college in general, from, from a philosophical perspective, from, from your thoughts, be doing more in terms of trying to be at the cutting edge of some of this and really figuring out in more of a lab kind of situation what's going to work and what's, what's better to do? 
Yeah, I think that uh, what what we need to do is start with the adults, start with the teachers, and get them uh, very uh, comfortable with the technology and very comfortable using the technology. Um, a lot of times the children can come in and they figure it out so quickly, and what we really need to do is help the adults to um, figure that out and become comfortable with the technology using it. Well, talk a little bit about the teachers. You know, we were talking about parents mm-hmm. before and their, their sort of negative reaction sometimes because of television. And I think that's really the best explanation I've heard as to why there's that knee-jerk, oh, it's like television, they're just sitting in front of the television. But to what extent are teachers sort of adapting to this? It's been hard. Um, it's like any profession. If you have been doing something for a long time and you're comfortable with it and you're probably very good at it, it's 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 uncomfortable to change. And so the best way um, we have found is to have teachers, and we invite your teachers, to come and go look at some of these classrooms where the kids are just so engaged and the teachers are so comfortable with the technology. And also, like Daryl said, provide them support. We have an ed tech coordinator, Sergio Villegas, who goes around and helps teachers who are uncomfortable. And also be comfortable to let the kids help you out a little bit sometimes. Um, even a five-year-old can help you figure mm-hmm. something out. I loved it earlier. I was watching some kids, and they kept saying, you have to refresh your screen. You don't have to do that anymore, but you used to have to do that. <laughs> that. And um, so the, the teachers are are – getting more comfortable. Now I have to say some of our staunchest enemies of this program are now the leaders. So one of the teachers that was the strongest against this in Calistoga now goes around the country speaking to other people, other teachers about Mm -hmm. using technology in the kindergarten classroom. So, you know, with any profession, sometimes when you turn around the naysayers, they become your strongest proponents. What have we seen, and and this is more of a a global question because I don't know that we've been doing it long enough here since the Calistoga experiment and and the greater incorporation of it as you've been talking about, but what have we seen among the kids that really have had this advantage of technology early on and how it benefits them later on when they get into middle school or even high school? It's too early to say definitively, but our goal is, the school district's goal, Napa Learns is the funder right. of this, and we are the thought leader around this, but the goal is to close the achievement gap by the end of third grade. All children should be able to read unless they have a learning disability by the end of third grade. We find that the English learners actually go faster than the non-English learners in reading. It's very fascinating. It's because of the way their minds are wired. When they're learning dual languages, they can actually learn more. And we have now seen in... Our, our kids from the first year are now in third grade, um, and they are, and the big group of kids is actually in second grade, and the teachers are reporting that they don't have to put them into intervention, which is what we do when mm-hmm. we have to keep them after school or take them out of the classroom. That's not happening as much anymore. I was in a preschool the other day. These kids, um, 16 kids came in. Not one of them spoke English when they came in, not one. They were all answering the teacher teachers' questions in English. They were reading these books. It was just amazing to see. So I think what you're going to see, um, not only with reading and math, but also with this project-based learning, when these kids get into fourth, fifth grade, they're not going to have that chip on their shoulder that they've been failing for four or five years. That's what these kids feel. They feel like they've been failing. And middle school, there's a big bulge in special ed because these kids aren't succeeding. I think we're going to see a real difference as these kids get older. And I think a lot of the remediation kind of learning um, will go away. Not completely, but uh, huge numbers will go down. From a funding perspective, how do we keep up with the technology? You know, it was one thing when it was the blackboard, and that stayed with us for a very long time. But the thing about technology is that it updates. It changes constantly, and maybe the iPads today and 
the iPad Air tomorrow and something new two years from now. And there's always a need once you're you're on that track to, to upgrade. Talk a little bit about that because it really creates funding pressures. Well, we have a process where we have uh, Sergio um, look at the new technology. We ask teachers to send us new technology um, that they're trying to, to learn or about or, or use, and we test it. And um, we're always looking for a lower price point, for one thing, and then, um, you know, wireless and higher speeds. Um, but it's more important what the software is. The computer device is not as important anymore because everything that the kids are doing is in the cloud. So what's more important is the quality of the um, material that they're using and the assessments they're using. Um, and, and one thing we did early on, you might have done this, Daryl, is we dumped a ton of apps on teachers. We loaded 150 apps on these <laughs> iPads because we could. And that was really wrong. So now we have the five apps you should right, use every right. day, you know. So that that's one thing. And then um, the other thing is that um, many different manufacturers are getting into this whole marketplace of tablets and everything but um, you have to understand what it is you're getting when you and what you're paying for so we actually support um, the purchase of the kindle fire for kids i'll just you know say give a commercial for that at the tech connection um, which is you can find on our website mm-hmm. we sell that because it's pretty cheap and it's loaded with great software for kids but it has a wonderful security system on it that parents can lock kids out and it tracks how long the kids are on the on the kindle so we are looking for all those kind of functionality um, features that really help support the protection of the kids and the and the learning and not just you know playing games and that kind of thing so again it's the software mm-hmm. more than it is the technology itself. and the tech support sometimes that mm-hmm. comes with those technologies sometimes you can go through a vendor and that vendor will give you so so many hours or so many uh, days or even months or years of support and so if you can find something like that it, it really benefits you too because then you know that you can call somebody and that you can get things figured out when you when you're getting lost on the uh the applications that you're using. What kind of technology, what kind of software is the college using now in the Child Development Center? Well, currently we're not using um, any kinds of of, uh, iPads or or, uh, tablets at all. We're using uh, desktop computers, and we'd we'd like to get an iPad into the hands of our teachers so that we can get that started. Um, so that they become um, used to those things and begin to use the assessment tools that are available um, in the cloud and also um, start using them for professional growth and development as well. So that's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, we, we definitely want to start there and, and get those technologies um, started with our Has teachers. it been a funding issue or what, what's been standing in the way? Well, I'm still too new to know. <laughs> so um, in, I know uh, where I had come from um, – Funding was a huge issue, so I, I, I searched out grants, found grant money that we could use to uh, buy the technologies. And so there, there then it didn't become uh, something that was um, hard to uh, make that leap uh, for the college that I was a part of. So um, through those funding uh, sources, we, I, I'm used to using tablets, Android tablets, where uh, 18 to 20 different applications could be used uh, by preschool age children. And also, um, uh, we play smart uh, table where four children can play at the table and it's a so- social emotional um, software that's used and it records the children's 
voices and their conversations, and then the teacher can later on go in, listen to those conversations, and then rank those conversations, and then that goes into the child's portfolio I as want well. one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. And the ex- the expense on some of these things are prohibitive, and so, you know, it really means going out and searching the, for the funding mm-hmm. for these things. So. That's one of the things um, people don't realize. Napa Learns raises about a, a million and a half every year, <clears throat> and it's all pretty much private funding, thank goodness for the generous donors of Napa Valley but what our, our mode of operation is to find teachers that are willing and able mm-hmm. and ignore the resistors for a while so the early adopter model of you know crossing the chasm and we we lavish them with things you know because mm-hmm. they want to try out everything and we give them the first iPads and then we upgrade okay. to the next one and we send them to a conference or we um, partner them up with our coach and then they become model, model classrooms. Um, our budget is only 1% of the school district's budget, but it's, it's the, our budget that's used for innovation. They wouldn't be able to experiment like that, and that's the whole mm-hmm. mission of Napa mm-hmm. Learns is to introduce innovation and then um, watch, it, watch it work with the teachers who really know how to do it. And then eventually the school system just says, all right, everybody's going to do it. You have one more year to hold back, and then you're all in it, or you can find another job. They don't say that. They don't actually say that, but it's implied. <laughs> I think LA Unified may have some iPads <clears throat> to sell. They have a few, yes. Did, well, did that create a black eye for uh, for huge, all of this in huge. some ways? Talk now now they're the case study. They're the poster child for what not to do with IT. Well, they didn't think about how they're going to use them. I mean, right. they didn't train the teachers. They didn't do a pilot. Um, they shoved them at the teachers. The kids immediately broke through the security filters, which they'll do. Um, and so it was it was really not very well informed. Um, it was a little a little hubris, I think, about we're gonna have we're gonna buy a billion dollars worth of, of iPads and we're gonna pay for curriculum that hasn't been built yet. So you you just can't do change that way, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you start with a pilot group of teachers who really want to help and experiment and explore. And then you start slow, but then you accelerate as it's working. Mm-hmm. And, and then everybody kind of gets in on it. And then you have to get behind the eight ball. We're order, helping the school system right now order over 1,000 Chromebooks because they wow. use a lot of Chromebooks. Um, so once it starts, the ball starts rolling, it's fine. So they, they have to kind of take all that back. Um, but I, I do hear, I read, and it's, it's a quote, the new superintendent was a uh, superintendent before, the new superintendent in L.A., and he's saying the opposite, which I also don't agree with, is don't jump on fly-by-night technology. We may not need that for our solutions in schools. Technology might not be the answer. Well, don't take it all away either, you know. <laughs> what overreacting to the <laughs> exactly. last problem. Exactly. Uh, and finally, I want to talk about it in terms of – We've been talking about it with respect to, to kindergartners, preschools, the, the old the, the Calistoga experiment, all this great stuff that's working. Once you begin that process, it's got to exist all the way through K through 12 because you can suddenly start technology early on and then you know take it away in grades four, five, and six. Absolutely. And that's why when Napa Learn started funding project-based learning at the high schools, American Canyon High School, New Tech, Middle, American Canyon Middle, and River, we asked the question, why not start with kindergartners? And I was a kindergarten teacher. I did use technology back in the 70s. It wasn't quite the same. But um, if you teach the kids in kindergarten, then you have to follow it all the way up. Of course, you can't right. take it away. Also, there's an equity issue. We have some very poor schools in this town. Um, 90% poverty, 80% English language learners. 
they have to have access to this as well. And so luckily the school districts have been very smart to put put the um, experiments in. Actually, the iPad experiments were in the Title I schools mm-hmm. at first, the toughest schools to teach in. And um, so that's really important. You can't take it away. In fact, we had a um, teacher in sixth grade. I'm going to get this quick, but she's doing project-based learning at Silverado, and they have one-to-one Chromebooks with these kids. And she said, I've taught for 12 years. My first year and my 12th year were the hardest years of my career. But the 12th year has been the most rewarding. And don't you ever make us go back to the way we taught before, including PBL, but also the technology. So um, it's going to be a whole new world as these kids come up through the schools. And now I see you're going to be doing this with three-year-olds. That's fantastic. Very cool. Well, I thank you both for coming in. Peg Maddox, Napa Learns, Daryl Woodacre, Napa Valley College Child Development Center. Thanks so much for being here, both of you. Thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.